It's time to pull those belts tight, race fans. The Front Stretch is coming at you. Presented by Joe's Karting and Council Bluffs. Now, here's Dan Taylor and Dirk Houston. Welcome to the Front Stretch, race fans. The Metro's longest-running all-racing talk show. Uh, I mean, for the most part, it's all racing. Would you say about 95% racing? We get a little sidetracked from time to time. Yeah, it's actually probably about 98% racing, and even our side tracks are usually some racing related somehow. Yep, I, I yep, <laughs> usually. So, uh, yeah, longest running, uh, what, 2012, 2011, I think is when the show kicked off. So, I've uh, been doing this for a very long time. Big thanks to Joe's Carding, who has been on every single day. The French stretch has been around. Get over to Joe's Carding today, joescarding.com, carding with a K. And get down to 23rd Avenue in Council Bluffs and enjoy some indoor kart racing. If you race there today or uh, like on Thursday, say you race there at like two o'clock in the afternoon, it's going to feel like you've got your face in front of an, like a hairdryer. Uh, if you went today, it's like you had your face in front of a blast furnace. Yeah. God, the heat is ridiculous. The, what, they're calling for 106 on Thursday. And then I think it's supposed to be 79 on Sunday. Yeah, there'll be a lot of sick people on Monday. Yep, <laughs> there absolutely will. Hey, oh, hang around. Yeah, anything to do with COVID. Make sure you guys hang around. Uh, turn number two today is uh, Chris Brown of Chris Brown Motorsports Marketing on Facebook. Chris Brown Motorsports, excuse me, ChrisBrownMM.com for, uh, for his website. But uh, great conversation with Chris. He's been kind of popping up on my radar a little bit lately. So I wanted to get him on the show and kind of do one of those outside the norm interviews. And uh, we just finished talking with him. So we're going to play that after this turn. And, uh, I think you guys will enjoy it. Uh, seems like a genuine guy. Very insightful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd love to get him on the show more often and kind of talk talk turkey with him a little bit. So we'll see how that kind of relationship uh, develops. And it sounds like he'd be very interested in, in working with us as kind of one of his main main points to, to make sure and help everybody out and not be competitive and, and uh, hurt the industry at all. So Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, for lack of a better word, he's in a promotion spot. I mean, he's a promoter, but he doesn't have a racetrack. Mm-hmm. No. he does a great job too i mean I, I was thumbing through his pictures as we were talking to him and i could just sit and stare at his his galleries for hours just those the the candid shots that he gets are just amazing uh all right so let's talk all-star race recap anybody shocked by the results actually the only result i'm shocked by is brad kozlowski finished second well he's won races that you know at texas so it's it's not that odd for him to be there but all I know is I ended up with a headache about halfway through trying to keep track of all the garbage that was going on. You know, well, we're going to run strategies. 15 laps, and then we're, and then we're going to invert six guys, and then we'll run another 15 laps, we'll invert the whole field, then we'll, I mean, I, I literally, I had a headache trying to figure all that out. It, it really is turning into a bit of a dog and pony show. You like know. It, it, it seems to be less about, and it's unfortunate because NASCAR keeps, I kept watching that race and just thinking, why do we keep going a mile and a half tracks? I get that they take up a majority of the, of the schedule. So if you're going to have an all-star, it needs to come out of that race. But they're just not good races. They're not competitive. Well, I mean, the all-star race last year was a, you know, Bristol. So Yeah, true. True. They're going to move it around every year. Eventually, it's going to end up on a road course. Yeah. I, yeah. I just, I was, I'm, I'm really glad they don't do it at Charlotte anymore. I know why they, they left it there for a long time because it was basically an off weekend for the teams. It was kind of a homecoming. It was the heart of NASCAR. Get it. Got it. Okay. Terrible race. Terrible well, race. I just, I'm not a fan of Charlotte at all. So I'm glad they moved it. And I, I think this race, I was trying to keep track of it 
uh, on Sunday night when I was working, but um, I just, I, I didn't have the sound up, so I couldn't really keep track. I was just watching cars turn and laps. And uh, I, it felt to me like that last stage, the race was a little more competitive. Well, you had what were the, you know, five or six best cars of the night up front, you know? Yeah. So it, that part should have been competitive, but in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't. Larson was in front, Larson stayed in front. Yep. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of anything else that anybody could do about it. That was a great three-car battle with with Larson, Kozlowski, and Elliott that last stage. Uh, a lot of fun to watch. But again, as soon as Larson got his nose out there into that clean air and finally cleared Brad and was able to run a full lap on his own line, he was gone. Yeah, yeah I, uh, uh, you know, it's entertainment value for me. Um, I was more entertained watching the SRX series Saturday, to be honest with you. Did you ever get a real response as the reason why they you'd or at least a lot logical response as oh, to why yeah, I, I had a logical response when i made the post and the logical response was television said this is when we're going to do it because the de- debut sunday night or saturday night saturday night okay which was you know the 26th running of the dream you know after the 27th running <laughs> and and of course the same guy won all four nights at eldora so what last night he had to work for it won a quarter of a million dollars something like that 261,000 guy thought it was 270 maybe two tens and two, two 125s they paid 125 on thursday and saturday so i know he won 250 right there and he won both the consolation nights and i think they were both 10 grand yeah hell of a hell of a run uh all right talking a little bit more about nascar um yeah kyle larson ends up cashing the cool million dollar check is there is it just is there a payout for second through 21st? I mean, I don't even know how that purse works at the all-star race other than the winner gets a million bucks. Yeah. I, I mean, that's all they've ever heard, you know, is it's, you know, a million dollars to the winner and I've never heard about any money going back anywhere. So I don't, I don't know. Hmm. Um, now this year they put a hundred thousand out for the, what, you know, uh, they were uh, deeming the best pit stop, which they gave to chase Elliott's team. Um, when they had the pit stop during the, the 50 lap segment, uh, you know, technically they had six segments with that 10 lap dash at the end, but, uh, you know, his team had the pit stop and, you know, gained a couple of seconds and everything else. So, you know, and then they had the, the deal where they were seeing if Elliot was out front or Kozlowski was out front because they had a caution and Kozlowski was on pit road and they kept making this big deal of it. Well, how did he beat him off a of pit road? Well, all the other the cars on the track had to slow down. They don't get to stay at full speed. You yeah. know, once the yellow comes out, you got to get out of the gas. That's how you know Kozlowski was able to pick up his three and a half seconds. So uh, just some of the stuff those, uh, in lack of a better word, I, w- I want to say clowns in the booth talk about and try and confuse people with. It's I'm just glad they're done. <laughs> yeah, it's over with. <laughs> Until next season, when uh, punishment is done. What's that? The NASCAR punishment is done. <laughs> uh, talking about Hendrick Motorsports here on this one, uh, I saw a picture from uh, actually Fox. It says the last time Hendrick Motorsports didn't win a race was May 9th. They won on May 16th at Dover, May 23rd at Circuit of the Americas, May 30th at Charlotte, June 6th at Sonoma, and now June 13th at Texas for the All-Star Race. Yeah, well, this uh, was wait. the first race in that whole stretch that didn't finish one, two, because Kozlowski screwed that up for him. Yeah, just, I mean, it's, it's, it is really 
amazing the the streak that Hendrick is on right now. Oh, they're 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 racing, you know, for wins and seconds, and everybody else is just trying to finish somewhere in the top ten. Yeah, it, it's just that way right now, and there's no other way to describe it. And it's going to be real tough to carry all the way, you know, till the end through the playoffs. You know, it, it just will be. It's that's a, a long time. Yeah. yeah and what right. you're talking about is, is the ebb and flow months. of the sport. It, it seems like drivers get drivers and teams will get hot for about six to, to eight, maybe 10 races. And as we run today, that would put them through uh, the beginning of the playoffs. Right. Because that was uh, the, we've been to 15 races. I thought we'd been to 16, but regardless, right. regardless, it's it's going to be very tough to carry that on for another 20 races. It's just a level that it's just, it, yeah, like you said, it's very difficult to to maintain that. So, but you know, uh, they haven't had any, any major parts failures or anything like that. And it, yeah. some of that's going to come back and, and bite them a little bit. You mm-hmm. know, it, it's going to happen. Uh, yeah. And, and I mean, just the, the old cliche, they're hitting on all cylinders really just rings incredibly true. It's, it's just amazing how, how good they are right now. And, and, and you, you don't, a lot of times when we say an organization is doing really, really good right now, you can look at one driver and say, he's doing really, really good right now. But all four of their drivers are top tens, if not top fives, if not all four <laughs> in the top four. Right. So it's yeah, just, it's they're, 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 uh, they're doing great right now. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how the season unfolds. Did want to send out some uh, best wishes to Kevin Bruck, who is a driver over in Southwest Iowa. I believe he races over at Crawford County Speedway and uh, Shelby County Speedway, if not Adams County Speedway. Uh, Kevin was involved in a non-racing accident that uh, he has been listed in stable condition and his situation is improving, but uh, he's got a long road of getting, uh, getting, getting better and getting back out to the racetrack. So uh, just wanted to send that out. I, I got to call races with for Kevin uh, years ago at Crawford County Speedway and occasionally he makes his way over to IED Speedway. So uh, hey, I always hate to hear somebody within the community getting hurt like that. So hopefully he's doing great. All right, let's talk about some of the news. Uh, do we have much news to talk about? Uh, you know, uh, have you seen that video of the, uh, what is it, Randy the Plumber? Have you seen that going around, Dirk? He's all um, sorts of upset at Texas Motor Speedway. Oh, yeah, I've seen that one. There's, um, there's a couple of those guys doing stuff like that now, their own yeah. little thing where they holler at the TV and whatever else but yeah i'm pretty sure i saw that one uh when you watched the one with randy did you just want to send him a a box of kleenexes and and kind of pat him on the head and say it's going to be okay no i think he needs to just lose his man card and quit drinking at the races maybe have some cotton candy you know <laughs> yeah I, I james roland sent it to me of roland race news and and uh he's gonna do a whole big piece on it but I just, you know, he, he threw this huge fit and, you know, I, I get it. If you're upset that you don't get to take your cooler into the racetrack, uh, that they outlawed it. They didn't ban it for any, just whatever reason. This is something that NASCAR has hung their hat on for a long time. I would assume this has something to do with COVID and the pandemic and local, um, local restrictions, but the way he went about it, just, he just seemed like such a. I'm sorry, such a little bitch about it. I mean, he literally seemed like he was about ready to start crying because he didn't get to take his cooler into the racetrack and he had to pay the prices inside the racetrack. And if you're upset about that, I get it. But the way he just freaked out about it, I just, I, I lost any, 
agreeing with him ness I would have I was I was having with him being upset that he didn't get to take his cooler in just the way he freaked out and it, I just what a little baby serious butthurt yeah that, that's the best way to put it he was serious butthurt uh all right well we don't really have much news to talk about and well one thing one thing I did see and it was something you probably avoided because you don't do the clickbait thing mm-hmm. um was Roger <laughs> Penske getting asked about Brad Keselowski yes I did see that he didn't really comment did he no, he just said Brad's under contract through the end of the year. And if something happens, you know, at the appropriate time, we'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, just there play it is. politics. And- so Jenna Fryer asked, uh, Roger Penske met with the media today, this being June 11th. Some of what he said Brad, uh, regarding Brad Kozlowski, we have a contract with him the rest of the season. Anything he's going to do or we're going to do, we'll make an announcement properly at the right time. Jenna then asked, "Would uh, will Cendric be in the 21 next year? Roger replied, I don't know. Jenna asked, can Matt Benedetto possibly run the 21 next season? And Roger replied, for me to discuss drivers, what is it, June, July? The season isn't even over yet. We haven't made any permanent decisions on drivers. There's a lot of moving parts. So that was basically the conversation, the update. I mean, does anything about this make you think maybe he's staying? Me either. I, I think it's a done deal. The surprise, the surprise I would have if he stays at Penske would be that Jayski got it wrong. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I think it's a done deal that that he's gone, and uh, and now we're just waiting for uh, the the appropriate time. Is that they they're they, there's a like he said there's a lot of moving parts to this. They have to get the right driver to announce to replace Brad. They have to get the sponsors on board with it. They have to get the team's ready to go. They have, there's a lot of things that are getting, that are being worked on right now. And they, when do you think they'll make an announcement? Do you think it'll be playoff time before playoff time after Brad gets eliminated? It, it, it could be any of those. It kind of depends on what the rest of the season brings for Brad. Cause I mean, up until the all-star race, he really hadn't had a solid run lately, Yeah, you know? So um, it's almost like, you know, it, the whole the whole team everywhere from the engineers all the way down to the pit crew guys is just kind of kicking back and lame ducking it you know that's another thing that makes me seem like more that you know he's out the door Mm -hmm. um i'm sure you know he's talked with roger about it so if it is a done deal i mean roger knows yeah you're not going to keep a secret like that from that man and uh uh you know, that's why his answer also makes me think that it's a done deal. Yeah. But, and 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 I, I think Brad would have enough respect for Roger to say, listen, uh, I thanks for everything, but I'm moving on. Well, I to be honest with you, I think he probably gave Roger a chance to somehow match or better the deal. Yeah, maybe. I really do. Yeah. You know, um, his whole cup career has been with Penske. Yeah. Uh, Very successful there? career, too. Yeah, eleven or twelve years, somewhere around there. I don't. I want to say twenty ten, maybe was his rookie year. So I, yeah, I, I think it's pretty much like we've been talking about. This is a, a done deal, and and now we're just waiting for other things to fall into place before they uh, make any kind of an announcement. Um, other than that, I mean, it's, it's, it's really not much. Uh, today's uh, the Sunday's race at uh, Nashville Speedway. First time they're headed there in the modern era. I don't think uh, when was the last time they raced at Nashville, at least for the cup series. Did they ever? The cup series has never been on this, on this track. 
there was a Nashville Speedway that's another racetrack they've raced at, right? Correct. It's like just a is it in the same facility or down the road or something like that? I I, I remember you in talking the same about city. It. It's in Nashville. This track yeah. was built about the time Kansas Speedway was early two thousands. Okay. I always like like that racetrack, and uh, I think you'll see some good racing there. Uh, I'm going to predict, and that's because nobody's been there. You know, there's a few so they, guys. They haven't had time there. to screw it up yet. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, they, Brad Keselowski says. Uh, you know, Brad Keselowski's race there in Xfinity cars. Oh yeah, and in, and in trucks. You know, but most of these guys, you know, have not raced there. I think the last time on this speedway that they had a major NASCAR series on, I think I read was 2011, I think. Yeah. And I think that was an Xfinity race that Carl Edwards won. You know, there but, was one uh, other piece of news that I wanted to talk about. Um, there it is. Verizon Wireless to sponsor the inaugural uh, Cup Series race at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It's a multi-year sponsorship deal. And Pete Pistoni retweeted it and said, rest in peace, Brickyard 400. And the comments just really perplexed me that everyone, the comments that I read, at least on his Twitter, his retweet, uh, were very favorable of the Brickyard 400. Uh, I'm very excited that race is gone. I, I have no ambition to ever see another NASCAR Stock Car Cup Series race on the circle track at Indianapolis. Well, I'm not a circle track, but yeah. It's, uh, uh, square yeah. track? What do you want to Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. It's, Pretty much. I, I heard one guy say, it's really frustrating NASCAR has given up on this race. They really should have done something to change the car and to make it more competitive. Apparently, he hasn't been paying attention for the last five years where NASCAR has taken big swings at changing the car for that Indianapolis race, and it still just didn't produce good racing. Yeah, it, the track is just not, you know, it, it's very flat. It's, it's a downforce track, downfor, heavy downforce, which is what the Indy cars have. You know, 1,400 pound cars with umpteen thousand, you know, pounds of downforce. And it's just not set up for, you know, the stock car type deal. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of goes back to the same argument of running rain tires on a road course. Yeah. You know, an Indy car's got a lot, or a Formula One car has a lot bigger tire. It's twice as wide. And the car weighs half as much, less than half as much. Yeah. And, you know, you wonder how come well they can do it. Well, that's why, you know, <laughs> it's it, yeah, I, I completely agree with you on this. It's Indianapolis is a the Indianapolis 500 is a fantastic race. The Brickyard 400 is terrible because you're you're putting a square peg in a round hole. They just don't work together. And if you're going to change a NASCAR car to work at Indy, it's not going to be a NASCAR car. It, it, they're going to have to make so many changes that they're going to have to build one car for this racetrack with a very specific everything. And it's, then it's not even going to be a NASCAR car and you're going to have a majority of the people complaining because that's not the cars we race at 35 other races. Exactly. Well, that's, that's was NASCAR's exact position for running the dirt at Bristol. We're not making a special car to run one race, mm -hmm. you know, and they learned a lot of stuff doing it. And, you know, I thought it was kind of a, cluster you know what but mm -hmm. uh, nascar is going to do it again and uh hopefully i don't see how the results could be any worse but <laughs> so, hey it's know, only up from here we're, we're talking nascar so the uh by the way the uh, the verizon 200 at the brickyard road course race the uh august race weekend all three nascar series will be in attendance that weekend the trucks 
Xfinity and the Cup will all be in, in action that weekend, and all the races will be broadcast on NBC and NBCSN. All right, uh, not we really don't have much to preview for the Nashville race on Sunday, other than to say if uh, you want to get out of Quaker Steak and Lube, we highly suggest that you get down there and enjoy some great racing. Looks like they're going to be doing uh, practice on Saturday, and they're going to have single car, one lap qualifying on Sunday at 10.05 a.m. So then we'll get the field set, and then I think we go racing at 2.30 at Nashville Super Speedway. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I plan on being in front of the TV for it. I plan on being in front of the TV on Saturday night to see the SRX cars at Knoxville. Yeah, sorry about that. I I, I kind of dropped the ball. I need to let yeah. you just handle that on your own from now on. I uh, Sorry, no good yeah, excuse. what it is, you know, but I'm, I'm still going to watch it because I want to see those cars on dirt. The SRX race, if yeah. people missed it, um, the last, they ran two 15-minute heat races. And if they had a caution, the clock kept running. So that was a little bit different deal. Hmm. And then they ran a 100-lap feature where they ran the laps and they counted the caution laps. And uh, there was not a lead change in the 100-lap feature. Really? And who did I see ended up winning? I, if you say it all over, but I, I can't. Know, Kobe, the modified driver. Okay. The six-time track champion at that track. Okay. And the end of the second stage, um, the second lead change happened, the end of that 15-minute race where he passed Michael Waltrip on the outside. That was the only pass on the outside the whole night. But <laughs> Like he said, they they interviewed. They had an interview that they played with him, and he said, "I've got over ten thousand laps on this track, and there ain't another guy here that's ever raced on it." He goes, yeah. "I have a big advantage, and I plan on taking it. You know, plan on using it." Well, and this will be a, an interesting thing to to kind of keep an eye on. If so, I assume he got that he got that ride because he's a local guy there, so he he got involved in that. He's not going to be one of the regular guys, right? Yeah, as far as I know, I mean, he actually missed a modified touring race to run that thing the other night when these cars are all equal it is going to come down to the driver and what he knows he can do with that car in each one of the corners so he had a huge advantage it's a completely different thing when you're talking about scott bloomquist in a uh, truck series truck at eldora and he thinks he knows more than the nascar guys do so he made some big sweeping changes to that truck and he went right to the back <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you know he was out of his element plain and simple oh, this guy was still in his element yeah and you know i was very disappointed with the drivers that were involved with it um because some of them literally were not superstars i'm sorry michael waltrip was never a superstar as a driver i completely agree with you what he he won th four races somewhere around there i mean he went 461 starts before he won the first time yeah you know, there's not too many people that got 461 starts without a win in the Cup Series. They don't, don't make it that long. You don't make it that long in the Cup Series without getting a win. Without producing, exactly. Right. Um, Unless your name's you know, Petty. I, I hope they had asked Carl Edwards to do it. <laughs> they may very well may have. That guy seems to have zero ambition to get into a race car. Oh, no, he did. Uh, he was on, uh, what's the NASCAR show at the weekly race hub? Yeah. He did an interview on Race Hub about six weeks ago and said he'd really love to do maybe a one-off deal. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was, you know, he said that would be oh, a lot God. of fun. 
All right. To, uh, Sunday's Ally 400 at Nashville Super Speedway. On the big screens of Quaker Steak and Luby Council Bluffs. By the way, speaking of Quaker Steak and Luby Council Bluffs, I got to get the commercial fixed. So I do apologize. I've been running the wrong commercial uh, during the show for the last uh, couple of weeks. But Monday nights are kids' nights. As always, kids eat for 99 cents with an adult entree. Tuesday nights, dollar wing night and day starts from 11 a.m. and runs all night long. Wednesday nights, there are random bike nights throughout the year. Make sure to check their Facebook page for more information. And nights, there's going to be some uh, live shows coming up too. Classic Car Cruising is Thursday nights as always. And by the way, next Saturday, June 26th, is the Wheels of Courage car show at Quaker Steak and Lube. I'm going to be making pancakes that morning. So if you want to come down for some free pancakes, you better get down to Quaker Steak and Lube that Saturday morning. They're also having a golf outing if you want to get involved in that. I know there are some awesome prizes, some great drink specials, some great perks for getting involved in that. You can reach out to them on their Facebook page for getting signed up for that. And as always, make sure to follow the Quaker Steak and Lube Facebook page and get over there on Sunday. Once again, on Sunday for the Ally 400 at Nashville Super Speedway. Practice is going to be on Saturday at 105. Looks like they're just having one practice session. And then they're going to be qualifying, doing single car qualifying at 10.05 our time. And then the race starts at 2.30 our time on Sunday. Predictions, any thoughts on the race? Other than you said you think it's going to be a good race? Kyle Larson. (laughs) (laughs) Kyle Larson's going to win it. All right. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I wish I I wish I had Elliot a valid second. Byron's running third, and Bowman's <laughs> running fourth. Pick, pick a Hendrick. <laughs> pick if you got any Larson picks left, just use them up now. Might as well. He the kid is so damn hot right now. There's there's just there's no slowing him down. Well, he won the All Star race Sunday night, and then jumped in the World Outlaws car and won on Monday night. So you know, yep. kids an animal. All right, that's yeah, gonna do it is. for us. That's gonna do it for us in this one. We're gonna come back. Uh, turn. Two is going to be Chris Brown Motorsports. We talked with Chris just a little bit ago. We're going to play that interview for you guys, and then that's going to do it for today's show. Uh, thanks a so lot for more listening. Like a drag strip. Yeah, yep. We, we raced, and then Chris is going to bring us back down the return road. There you go. All right. Uh, once again, thanks a lot for listening. We'll be back. We'll be right back with Chris Brown Motorsports. If you love wings, if you love rings, and all kinds of other tempting things, great times. Quaker Steak and Lube is the official watering hole of the front stretch and the home of MAV-TV featuring action from the Lucas Oil Late Model Series. Great times, great food, get to Quaker Steak and Lube. Located on Mid-America Drive in Council Bluffs. Every race car driver has run into the same problem. It's well past normal parts store closing hours, but you need that one to finish your car. The guys who brought you white knuckle racing by the river bring you Joe's Karting Racing Parts and Tire Store. Open until 10 p.m. Monday to Thursday and open until 11 p.m. on Friday and Saturday. A parts store that fits your after-hours schedule and you can turn a few laps at Joe's Karting while you're waiting for your part to get pulled from their warehouse. Joe'sKarting.com for more information. We're hooked up in turn two and still showing the green flag on the front stretch. Welcome back to the front stretch. Turn number two brought to you by Tailored Computers and Repair. Stop dealing with an old, beat up, slow laptop. Give me a call today, 402 659 5641. A hard drive upgrade can do wonders and give you back precious time in your workday. 402 659 5641. Joining us on the show now is the man behind Chris Brown Motorsports Marketing. Chris, how you doing tonight, sir? 
I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Uh, yeah, like everybody else in the Midwest, we're feeling like a piece of bacon in a frying pan. Today is the first day that we've had central air in 10 days. So we've had a, we've had a bit of a, a stretch here at the house as well. So none too soon. Oh my God, your, your, your AC went down? Yeah, and it was a bear getting, <laughs> we ended up having the entire system replaced. So, so yeah, it's, it's a big deal. All right, how did this whole thing come about? What have you been doing? Where, where, how long have you been involved in dirt racing? Give us your background. I've been involved in dirt racing since 1978, believe it or not. Um, my, my dad went to high school with Mark Noble. So if you're familiar with the Blooming Prairie, Minnesota area, that's, that's around the area I'm from. And there's a ton of dirt racers up there. And that's a, that's a hotbed um, of racing. And so uh, my parents went to well, like a July 4th weekend show somewhere up there and my mom went into labor with me um going home after the races that night and they had me at the track the next weekend as you know fresh out of the hospital and back then we would go three nights a week and drive all over the place um just to watch local weekly shows uh which was so that i've just been around it forever a little later in life when i got my got my license and started driving around and and uh, going to races on my own, uh, you know, I was watching people like uh, Kevin Stoa was a big Kevin Stoa fan. He was, you know, lived around our area and worked at the local Napa when he was young, delivering parts and would, you know, come visit my dad and stuff. Um, so he's kind of a friend of the family. And, and obviously Mark still races and like people like Dennis Hilson and Tommy Meyer um, and some of the guys that raced, you know, on the border of Northern Iowa and Southern Minnesota, we would go down to Brit a lot, Mason City and Cresco. And um, we used to drive down to, we drove down to Denison a couple times from Albert Lee. So there's, um, we just kind of every weekend, my whole life has been, been around the car culture. My dad never raced, but he restored numerous cars. And I have an uncle that did some drag racing and, you know, all, we had a ton of friends around dirt racing. So it's just been, it's just been weekly for my, for my whole life going on 43 years now been a fan the entire time or did you ever join a crew grab a car decide to drive anything like that I never decided to drive and a lot of it's a lot of that's because um too many hobbies uh too much moving around you know I moved out for I moved away from home you know out of college and I never went back um lived in the Minneapolis area for like 15 years and um moved around with some different careers and things like that and had certain aspirations and just couldn't get my roots down enough to really um, invest in it that way. You know, it's yeah. something I'll always regret, but at the same time, I know that I'll get to a point in my life where it's like, if I really want to do it, I'll hop in and do, do something. And even if it's riding around the back, I tell the guys all that, you know, that I talk to all the time that I'm taking pictures of that they're like, oh, you made me look fast. And I'm like, hey, I go, every single person that's out here doing this, I, I have some level of, of envy and I have some, certainly a high level of admiration because you're doing it and I'm not. And yeah. so I did some organized like league go-kart racing um, in the Twin Cities and learned a lot about how talented race car drivers were after doing kind of the same thing for a couple of years on the same tracks over and over and, and racing hundreds and hundreds of laps and then inviting 
a dirt racer um, up that had never seen the place before, doesn't race go-karts and they just kick your butt all over the place um, just because of, you know, amount of seat time kind of translates to almost any type of car um, mm -hmm. in that situation. So I've, I've had some eye-opening moments like that. Like, wow, the, the talent level is so high um, that you can't even, I don't even have an advantage when I think I have an advantage. <laughs> <laughs> Some people Kinda sit like in the that. grandstands and think I can do that. You sit there behind the lens and go, no way. <laughs> if Well, I mean, Stop. anybody with a checkbook and enough credit can do it, you know, but don't do not sit there. I've learned a lot growing up and I have a blog post coming up. That's going to kind of highlight my lowest point as a race fan um, in my early twenties and, and, you know, sitting in the stands and drinking a lot of beer and kind of like just the lowest point of where I realized like, this is not who I am and I can't be this guy. And, um, and so, you know, you sit around people like that every once in a while, I st I'll still go to the races and I'll just sit in the stands, no camera, no nothing, you know, just bring Milo or just go by myself and just enjoy the night and kind of take it in and think about, you know, what that track might need or, or whatever to make the show a little bit better just have a couple beers. Um, and I hear things in the stands and, and I think, man, it doesn't have to be that way. And then I think yeah. also like, I was that guy for a chunk of time where that was my, that was my party and party crowd was to be in the stands and get rowdy. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not really like that much anymore. Like it used to be. Uh, but, but yeah, it's, it's, um, you got to admire everybody that's out on the track because it just takes, so much to do it it takes a lot to do it with a lot of support it takes even more to do it with like no support and that's yeah. what a lot of people have out there just almost nothing Dirk did you have something you're wanting to ask him and I think I interrupted you well what I was going to say when he was talking about you know the local dirt racer or whatever that comes in plays at the go-kart track it's you know you talked about uh -huh. the guy doing it right now some guy by the name of Larson you know it don't matter what you put him in he's right. going to win and it don't matter who he's playing against right yeah, that's like a next level, you know, that, and, and there are incredibly talented drivers that are, that have said numerous times, like there is, there is an otherworldly level of talent, you know, on top of that, that, you know, he's got a, he's got a Tim Richmond-esque type of aura around him and probably even superseding that, but guys that know Tim and have watched him race all the different types of cars he raced back then, would kind of equate that to to him. So when you see people like Tony Stewart and somebody like Scott Bloomquist, or they recently, you know, talked about his talent. You know, when those types of talents are putting a person like that on the on, you're right. Everybody's scared. He shows up. It does it does not matter. You know, um, he's pushing his grocery cart out to the car like. Yeah. You're a little nervous that he's going to get out there first. <laughs> <clears throat> I, I tell you that I've never heard him compare talking about Kyle Larson compared to Tim Richmond, but I, 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 you nailed it on the head. You could compare him to Tony Stewart talent wise, but Tony was a little more rough around the edges where Tim was kind of a party animal, but uh, was just incredibly talented and, and, and had that polish to him that I think Kyle's got too. Yeah. You know, car control and like, not just regular, not just car control in general, but the way you choose to control your car around other drivers. Like Tim was just not known for roughing people up to get his way. Mm -hmm. And Kyle's definitely not that way. Like he's not, he doesn't go through people to get what he wants. He might make it look that way, but he did like, he just goes around him, 
And, you know, Tim was that kind of guy. And Kyle, Kyle's also got a wife that shoots beers in Victory Lane. <laughs> How many guys are having auditions for their wives or for girlfriends to shoot beers? Yeah. I don't know. She could be getting rich on some sort of online, independent online show, though, you know, balancing that because I'm sure she's at a point in her life where, um, you know, being that getting that pressure, being under that spotlight, like every time he wins, like I might not be in the mood to shotgun a beer today. <laughs> yeah, but she set the bar pretty high for herself. You got to carry, you know, you've got to carry the torch now. And I've seen it. I've seen it happen in person at the Chili Bowl, you know, right there in turn three and four. And um, we actually sit. I, I usually go for the last several years. I go to the Chili Bowl at the Vanderbeeks. Um, Zach's a good friend of mine. And Kyle's parents and his family sit right behind us. One row right behind us. And so years ago, when he before the before Cup really got, you know, taken off. He would, he would be down there racing. He would be up there sitting right behind us, mm -hmm. you know? And so those guys have watched him literally grow up year after year from the bleacher seat right behind him, which is pretty, which is pretty crazy and cool. Talking again with Chris Brown, motorsports marketing, find him online, www.chrisbrownmm.com. Uh, how did the photography come about? How did you kind of gravitate towards that area? Necessity. Um, I'll tell you why. Um, we, my wife and I, it's our 10 year wedding anniversary this year in July. So happy anniversary to my wife. Um, we had a botched, we had a, we had a crap wedding photographer that misrepresented themselves. And our honeymoon was to go to uh, Yellowstone and camp for 10 days, like tent it, kind of rough it, hike and whatever. And so, you know, we got these photos back and um, I, I had some decent camera equipment, nothing crazy. And um, I got those proofs back and it, it made me so mad. I decided that I was going to learn myself. I was going to learn photography. That's how <laughs> mad I was. Um, and so it was a whole fiasco. Um, we, we, we ended up getting refunded. And thankfully, you know, my camera that I happened to own at the time to bring on our trip, one of our friends who was an amateur photographer just asked if she could use it and and kind of shot around and um, kind of saved us because uh, had we not had the material she produced just having fun, um, it would have hurt a whole lot more. So that of yeah. all things, that's what really got me into it. It wasn't cars, it wasn't, it wasn't any of that. Uh, but when you go, when you're at the track all the time and, and you have that stuff, well, then you're gonna start to kind of get into it. Yeah, that's uh, the flip side of that. I've, I've talked to Joe Orth several times and he said, uh, the only thing he won't do a photography session for is wedding photos and honeymoons. Cause he's, he said, I'm as long as I've been doing this, I am terrified that I'm going to get something wrong and I'm going to ruin somebody's special day because I don't want that kind of pressure. I don't need it. <laughs> I'm not interested in it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a lot of work. I mean, people yeah. ask me up, you know, all the time about the um, other types of photography and, and there's stuff that I'll do, you know, if I know you, but um you know, I don't like, I don't want to do senior photography, for example, because I can't imagine myself sitting at home, staring in front of my big screen, like fixing blemishes all day, you yeah. know, God bless the guy. I, I was that kid at 17 years old that someone had to, you know, <laughs> brush out all my zits or whatever they did at the time. Um, and I don't want to do that for a, a living. You know, your car's yeah. got dents in it. I don't have to, it's, that's, is what character. it is. That's character. That's character. Yeah. Yes.
All right. So, so I mean, what, what, how it kind of, how we got to where we are today, if you want to talk about that, the, um, the, I put a story up on my, on my Facebook page about the breast cancer awareness cars that I did and why I got into that. And I, I won't get into that now because it's just too, it's too long. It's too emotional. It's too whatever. Um, but through that process is where I met Zach Vanderbeek. And we had a we had a couple of projects together. We traveled together a lot. It was at a time in my life where we didn't have kids. We um, were just newly married. I had a very stable job with a ton of flexibility. So I was doing some freelance work, and I start I had my camera, so I would I would be out kind of shooting for them for their social media. And then we did our uh, Hang with the Z Man show for a while. Um, you know, that's been like 10 years ago now as well, which was way ahead of its time. And I regret every day not continuing with that because we'd be killing it. And probably I wouldn't have to have a regular job, uh, <laughs> would have kept doing that. Um, but I was learning about, you know, his, his sponsorship with Casey's. I was learning a lot about the way a corporate sponsorship looked at motorsports, you know, a corporate sponsor that is very supportive of you know, regional motorsports and how they, how they saw their brand and how they wanted their brand seen and all of these kind of things. So I was managing his, his social media and we just, we exploded his social media. We didn't buy any ads. We were creating content. I was good at creating content. Facebook back then was, it allowed you to do more things. It wasn't as, it didn't throttle back mm -hmm. your, you know, your viewership so harshly as it does now. Um, and so we were able to really explode his, his following and kind of expose who he is as a person, his personality and what he's like, teach people about race cars. Um, and then I would do their press releases and, and things like that, statements, um, if anything significant happened. And so I really took to that really well. And so that was a period of maybe three or four solid years that we did that. Uh, and then we ended up moving to Nebraska at the beginning of 2013. 14. And I thought, but great. We're like, I'm an hour and a half closer to you now. And I went from going to 30 races a year with him to like one. <laughs> and we, we didn't even have Milo yet. So um, my, my photography took a backseat again for five, six years and then lost my job to COVID last year. Uh, I was um, about 20 years in alcohol distribution, fine wine and spirits. So I was National sales director for a little distillery out of Duluth, Minnesota. Which one? Vikra. Um, don't, don't know it. Yeah, they're they're one I'm of the surprised. like greenest distilleries in the country. So like ultra high quality and values on on everything. So it was great. It was really awesome to work with that group. But I knew that the pandemic, that situation, they could only withstand that for maybe sixty days if it drew beyond that. And, yeah. and there was no way they could afford to keep me on staff without traveling and kind of trying to build a brand. So um, I had uh, I had a gig at another track starting the beginning of 2020. It didn't last very long. It was really, I was very ambitious about it, put a lot of time and energy in a short amount of time. There was a lot of, a lot of friction there. Um, and so that ended and uh, I was shooting out Thursday nights were great for me. So I started shooting out at us 30 and I told those guys like, I don't want to be your track photographer. If you want to hire a track photographer, that's great. Um, I just, I just want to practice. I want to practice the way that I want to show what I feel through the lens and the, like they, 
they thought it was funny, but I'm like, you, there's a certain romanticism about this type of track because it's not, it's not super updated. It doesn't have fancy lights all the way around. Like it's, it's hard to shoot at when it gets dark out and mm -hmm. it's, it shows a lot of depth and character and emotion. And, and that's who I want to be in that moment. And so they just let me come out there, like let me in every Thursday. And I said, I'll provide a gallery for you. Um, and if you want to talk about some of the other services or, or working together, let's push that off until 2021. But I, I just need a year to kind of decompress. Mm -hmm. so while I was working on other things, I was just spending time doing that. Then I started to go out to I-80 a little bit more and, and got kind of hooked up with the drag strip up in Ottawa. And, um, you know, over time, over a few months, people were starting to recognize, I guess, my style. Um, and there's certainly cues about my style that come from, from photographers that I follow, um, you know, on a national or regional level. And a lot of this stuff is just really my, my eye. And so I've always kind of naturally had a, my wife always tells me like, you need to be a consultant. Like you just need to have a consulting business and you need to find people that want to improve and, you know, really want to put the work in to get better, to do whatever it is, whatever it is that they do. So I have a strong restaurant background because of my previous career, but you know, my passion is really at the racetrack. And so um, over the last year, I just kept kind of thinking more and more about what it is that I provide and, and knowing, and you guys know this too, as far as media content goes, I'm not really worried about selling an individual picture of an individual car, for example. You know what I mean? The, um, I do it, you know, and it's mm -hmm. great. I'm super thankful for it, but there's no, like, there's no profitability necessarily in that the equipment that you use and the upkeep is so expensive, but those images, when they're really striking, help build, you know, my brand as a person and allows me to get into conversations about some of the other things that I want to do, which is, kind of both sides of the gate, if you think about it that way. One side is the grandstand side and one side is the pit side. So on the pit side, I'm trying to show drivers and teams and car owners how, you know, the little things that they need to do to make sponsors more happy, more engaged, um, get, you know, have longer lasting relationships, more meaningful, um, how to kind of navigate through social media and use it better because it's so frustrating. Like, when they say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Social mm -hmm. media purposely breaks itself all the time. So <laughs> you have to learn a new way to get around the roadblocks that keep you from reaching your full potential with the people that follow you. Yeah. And it's really, you guys know how frustrating it is. I mean, you just, they, they take away little sneaks that you have to get more followers or more people seeing your posts, I mean, constantly. Yeah. On the grandstand side, I want to show, I want promoters and I want track owners to understand that um, I want them to see all of the cases that they, they kind of get into a channel, in my opinion, where they're, they market or they, they direct everything at the, the consumer that needs the least direction. Like your most hardcore fans, they let you get away with the most. They show up week to week. And, you know, if the beer coolers broke one day, they'll complain about it on Facebook and they'll say, I'm never coming back. And they're back an hour early the next week. You know, it's, 
I think with local motorsports like this, dirt track racing, the small drag strips, the things like that, the magic is getting the people that that either have a friend that go all the time that they never go with anymore, or someone that goes like once a year to a special. Yep. If you take that entire pot of people throughout the entire country and you get them to go to three races instead of one a year, if you get them to go f- instead of just going to the late model special, going to two weekly shows on top of it, yep. that is such a huge boom. And, and I, you know, people want to know what, what it is. And, and then the promoters and the track owners and people say, bring someone to the races for the first time. And I think more, more, team owners, more car owners, more promoters, more employees of these facilities, they need to take someone to the race for the first time and talk to them about what their experience is really like. And so that whole spectrum is what I want to provide to people. And I've kind of been incrementally putting these blocks on top of each other. So I love creating content. That's great. I even love more showing people how to use it and get the most out of it. And as far as, you know, meeting up and start in working with, with guys like yourselves, as far as we come from and other photographers and things like that's the old saying, like a rising tide raises all ships. That's how we should feel around each other. It shouldn't be, you know, a competitive nature, you know, share each other's videos. We should share each other's photography galleries and, and all of that kind of stuff. So um, I hope that over time, I'm just bringing these little things to both sides of the fence, really. Very well said. I didn't know you before you came on the show. Now I feel like I know you a little bit better and, and uh, I like the direction you're headed. Yeah, I, I think you touched on a lot of things that if we had a two hour show to sit down and really talk about, we could dive into some more subjects. Uh, but we'll have to save that for another time. <laughs> we got we to gotta get you out the door. You said you got an, uh, something going on tonight. My wife, who's, who works, you know, as much as I do, she's, she's got her own zoom call at, at Mm. seven o'clock. So, um, yeah, you know, that's, that's the thing that, that my hiccup is the people that know me the best. And my wife would say, you overstay your welcome. Like I'm the last person at the party, (laughs) right? If somebody else is there having a great time. And the reason that they're having a great time is that there's one other person there to have a great time with who am I to take that away from them? Yeah. (laughs) you might as well stay i might as well stay even though it's clear that i should have left 15 minutes ago or two hours ago and see my concern is uh fuel economy for the drivers on the way home i'm just very worried that they're going to be overweight with the beer and the ice so i i try to help out as often as i can (laughs) you know get that extra tenth of a mile per gallon whatever whatever it's it makes me it makes me happy yeah well and you do the same thing at their Quaker steak. You always make sure they have fresh beer because you yep. will always finish the last little bit just so Keeping, it doesn't get stale sitting overnight. Keeping that stock that that product rotated. Yeah. So when are you got when you when are you guys going to be able to go back to that whole situation? I don't know. We're it's. I really like the audio quality of doing these Zoom Zoom interviews. Yeah. It's in. It's just to to be an old radio guy. It sounds so much better. <laughs> than doing it at Quaker steak. But I think we'll probably get back there after the race season's over with, and we'll spend a lot of time in September, October, and November down there doing interviews. But like right now we're just, we'll do some interviews at the racetracks, but mostly over zoom. But yeah, I, I, I love my, our times down at Quaker steak. Yeah. QSL, our time there is so productive. <laughs> just between that and the auto show. 
Uh, right. and, and my keyboard is still sticky from our productive time at Quaker Steak that night. Yeah, but, that was your own fault. Though. And just to clarify for anybody that wants to put their head in the gutter, I spilled a beer over my laptop. <laughs> and yeah. so I offered to wash it off with my water, but he wouldn't <laughs> take my offer. <laughs> I was really worried it was going to fry my laptop, but somehow it didn't. But anyways, that's that's another time. All right, uh, Chris Brown Motorsports Marketing on Facebook. The website is chrisbrownmm.com. And you said you're going to be getting a blog going here shortly? I, uh, God, I spent all that time on that website building it a different way than I normally would because I, I just put up the, I built a website for Charger Chassis this year, which I'm pretty excited about. It's really nice. The um, And this one I did for myself. I'm like, I'm going to do a more complicated, you know, hosting service and whatever. And so I went to post my first blog on there and the plugin that I used to host the blogs on my page is no longer valid. So I have to redo all that stuff again. So I'll probably <laughs> just build a whole new website. So I've just been putting them on my, putting them on my Facebook page. I've got okay. a couple up there so far, but, but uh, yeah, I'm a long winded talker. I'm a long winded writer. And um, as this year goes on, I'll, I'll get into doing a little more on the interview side, whether it be video or just just written. Um, I can kind of pour my emotions and thoughts and in, into those. Um, that's good therapy for me. Cause like, like you touched on earlier, I've, I've never been in a real race car and, and it absolutely drives me nuts. Every time I'm at the track, like I'm there, I'm shooting, I could have the greatest shots and there's still this slice to me that goes home and be like, and, and I think to myself, like, I never did it. Why? Yeah. You know? So, you, uh... so anyway, I'll get there. Do you, have a, do you have a regular circuit of tracks that you cover? Like, are you at I-80 every Friday night, Eagle every Saturday, et cetera? Or do you kind of rotate around? Um, I, uh, I'm i at um, US 30 every Thursday because I work for them more so on the marketing side. Um, you know, and the photography stuff is just kind of a bonus for them. Uh, and that's the way I like it. Um, I've been going over to... Harlan to Shelby County lately on Saturdays. Um, they just haven't had a photographer spend time out there. And it's another track that's had spent a ton of time kind of rejuvenating the surface. And from what I've seen over the last four or five weeks, like the track has been great. The racing has been great. Um, Friday nights, I do spend a lot of Friday nights at um, I-80 because the accessibility around the track really allows me to express my style a lot. There are other photographers there that I spend a lot of time talking to if they have questions or want advice from someone like me that has been around a little while. Um, I'm certainly not the greatest. I don't consider myself a great photographer. Um, but, you know, I enjoy interacting with them and, you know, everybody at the back gate treats me so well there. And then Anawa, I'm doing all their IHRA point series uh, shootout events this year. And then I do like to float around. There's other stuff that, that, that I want to do. Um, I've literally, I've never even been to Eagle Speedway. Um, I've never even been there. <laughs> and there are tracks around that, there are tracks that I call and they don't get back to you or they don't, they don't want a photographer. And I'm like, please just look at my work. Like I'll give you a free gallery. Um, Cause I want to, I'm transitioning on that side not to go too long, but what I'm trying to do is, is when I show up at a track, I want to chronicle the whole night. And so when you look through the gallery, you feel like you, you can feel something from the whole night, the progression from people at the ticket gate to people out the back gate. And so 
Um, it's a lot of work to figure out where you can get what you want at the tracks that you work and then stay on track with your plan throughout the whole evening. Um, Cause it's easy to get sidetracked with one condition or another that's positive or negative, but, but yeah, um, I, I love it when people message me and they're like, Hey, this, this event's going on. We'd love to have you out here. Or, have you considered going to watch this or here, there or whatever. So I try not to be so committed where I can't go, yeah. um, you know, express myself at any facility, you know, within a few hours driving distance. Well, I'll tell you, I think the best night that you want to put down on your schedule, if you're ever going to come out to Eagle Raceway, is going to be August 7th. Roger is notorious for doing these weird off-the-wall things. I don't know if you saw the bus races a couple of weeks ago. That was a huge I hit. I regret not seeing the bus races in person. So this one is the hillbilly slip and slide, and it doesn't get much more redneck fun time than this. But after the races are over with, they put a tarp down turn, the middle of turns one and two, soap and a little bit of water, and all of the kids go sliding down the uh, embankment, down the, the hill of that is turns one and two. Everyone just has a great time. It's great. Fo- it's, I think it'd be a fun opportunity for you to get some really, really cool photos because I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of the, you know, you've got your typical photos of the cars through the corner, but then you've got your kind of perspective photos that I, I think you do a fantastic job with, just the, the outside the norm kind of photos. Here's what I want you, here's what I would expect out of you for this is I, I want you to start an interview in line to do that and interview down the slide <laughs> and continue the interview after you, you know, kind of crash at the bottom. I Deal. Think you're, you're going to be do, getting interviewed. <laughs> you're my interview. <laughs> that, that interview is never going to happen because Dan will have the fear that he will spill his beer. <laughs> That I, would, I don't spill beer. If we did it together, I would, attempt, I would attempt to take a picture during the interview on the slide <laughs> down. I would try. This get- is going to be, we got to try this. We got it August 7th. Give, <laughs> put it on your calendar. Let's see if we make it work. Duly noted. Chris Brown Motorsports Marketing on Facebook. ChrisBrownMM.com. And uh, go over to the blog once he gets set up and going. Chris, do appreciate your time, man. Uh, have yeah, fun tonight. Good. And uh, we'll see you at the racetrack soon. Yeah, have a great night, guys. Bye-bye. Every race car driver has run into the same problem. It's well past normal parts store closing hours, but you need that one to finish your car. The guys who brought you White Knuckle Racing by the River bring you Joe's Karting Racing Parts and Tire Store. Open until 10 p.m. Monday to Thursday and open until 11 p.m. on Friday and Saturday. A parts store that fits your after-hours schedule, and you can turn a few laps at Joe's Karting while you're waiting for your part to get pulled from their warehouse. Joe'sKarting.com for more information. The official watering hole of the front stretch has you covered any day of the week with the best wings, great burgers, and amazing steaks. Each weekday from 4 to 6 is happy hour, featuring dollar-off draft and well drinks plus $4 luberitas. Mondays are kids' night. Tuesdays are all-you-can-eat wings for $12.95, and the lube even delivers to the Council Bluffs area. Like Quaker Steak and Lube Council Bluffs on Facebook for a full list of weekly events. Get to Quaker Steak and Lube. Mid-America Drive, Council Bluffs.